0: story one chapter ten of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story one chapter ten celia observant of the unaccountable results of circumstance of the capricious mutations of existence the greeks with a certain grim irony symbolized such whimsies by the figure of a woman poised on a twirling wheel to the variability of the sex they ascribed the apparently aimless selection of particular human beings to be raised or abased independent of merit or justice by the ever-revolving wheel they indicated the constant change which renders life an eternal succession of unforeseen surprises nay further to accentuate the hopelessness of finding a reason for such fluctuation they blinded the eyes of the woman with a bandage here we have the ironic trinity of caprice unreliable temperament helpless blindness unstable position and these irresponsible shifty whimsical rule the world of mankind by such speculations did warwick seek to account for the extraordinary change in his fortunes for in no logical way could he come to any reasonable conclusion he had arrived at dalesford a fiddling tramp nameless friendless penniless through the indulgence of an unwarrantable curiosity he had narrowly escaped death by drowning and he had intruded himself where he was not wanted all these things pointed to punishment and disgrace yet in direct opposition to their promise they brought him an honourable position a decent wage and several firm friends it was little wonder then that he should abandon as hopeless the solution of so hard a riddle and place such untoward results to the credit of the irresponsible greek deity aforementioned notwithstanding that price assured him that lord lelanro had a sufficient reason for acting so kindly warwick marvelled greatly at the favour which was shown to him permitted to leave the special portion of the house inhabited by the dwarf and her attendants he was installed in a comfortable suite of apartments near those of his host in a few days a tailor arrived from london who provided him with all necessaries in the way of garments and for the first time for two years warwick found himself clothed in accordance with his rather fastidious requirements he dined and spent the evening regularly with lelanro he constantly accompanied the old gentleman in his walks and when he was minded to ride found a horse placed at his disposal in every way he was treated with the greatest delicacy and consideration so that daily his wonder grew as to what could be the reason of this inexplicable kindliness had he been a young gentleman of great estate he could not have fared better or have received more courtesy from the gentry more respect from the servants but for the actuality of his surroundings he would have deemed it a dream then again he soon perceived that his duties were merely nominal for with the exception of replying to lelanro's correspondence a duty which scarcely occupied two hours he had the rest of the day to himself with such leisure on his hands he either walked and conversed with his patron played the violin to madame tute or rode with celia lelanro ah she was indeed a goddess worthy of the adoration of two-and-twenty from the first moment that he made his bow to her warwick surrendered himself a willing captive to the glance of her blue eyes the fascination of her smile but two years younger than himself she was infinitely his elder in knowledge of the heart by virtue of her sex and treated him in a sisterly manner which perplexed the lad in no small degree notwithstanding his good looks and numerous opportunities warwick by reason of his romantic temperament knew but little of the other sex his ardent nature dowered woman with the attributes of a goddess and when he found no one who came up to so high an ideal he withdrew himself from contact with the actual being and worshipped an abstract creature composite of perfections in celia lelanro he found this dream-woman incarnate in as pretty a mask of flesh as ever was worn by one of eve's daughters in contrast to warwick's swart complexion and dark hair she was blue-eyed with locks of a russet brown in no degree had the fairy curse fallen on celia lelanro for she was as tall for a woman as he was for a man her oval face and skin of mixed red and white seemed to the amorous lad the perfection of beauty and though he could have wished that her smiles were more frequent and her eyes more alight with merriment yet he could recall no woman of high or low degree who so strongly moved his heart-strings the quaint delicacy of the name celia suited her well and warwick snared by her charms berimed her looks as earnestly and prodigally as ever orlando did the sweet smiles of rosalind in the forest of arden having regard to quantity rather than quality celia was as celebrated in verse as ever was lalage or beatrice or even the belauded lady of petrarch in the principal library of the manor-house which was distinct from that occupied by dr price celia discovered a copy of verses incautiously left on the table by the love-sick swain with many a pretty blush and pouting laugh the goddess read the effusion composed in her honour and highly approved of the mediocre verse perhaps because she was the subject of the song it was while she was reading the verses for the second time that lord lelanro entered the room seeing her smiles he stepped softly behind her and caught a glimpse of the poem what have we here child some amatory nonsense said he genially and in the handwriting of mr warwick oh grandpapa replied celia in some confusion it is merely a copy of verses i found on your table they are addressed to celia i think added miss lelanro laughing that your new secretary is a poet and a musician and a lover if these rhymes speak from the heart you must not encourage him in such folly child celia was too astonished to reply immediately she knew her grandfather to be one of the proudest of men and that he should jest on so distasteful a subject surprised her not a little and indeed she was slightly angered at the presumption that she would condescend to encourage a penniless dependent in such folly i assure you sir that i never gave the matter a thought she answered with curling lip i regard mr warwick as i do the other servants you speak harshly celia returned her grandfather in a vexed tone mr warwick has good blood in his veins and with his talents he may rise to great things i hope he may but as to his good blood i am not so certain by his own confession he is a wandering musician by his own confession he does not know who he is child i wish i could find out for i assure you i am deeply interested in his welfare with some emotion he walked to the window and looked out on the park which rolled a sea of green almost to the verge of the terrace the sky delicately blue was dappled with summer clouds and in the distance the square grey tower of dalesford church bulked above the undulating line of the trees the sight of so fair a heritage suggested to lelanro's mind the bitter thought that it must pass soon from his direct line into the hands of an unloved relative unless unless he muttered anxiously unless what grandpapa asked celia rather astonished at this unusual perturbation what are you talking of oh nothing child nothing i was thinking of matters pertaining to the welfare of our family by the way celia he added smoothing the frown from his brow i received a letter from Edgar winyard who asks me if he may come down here for a few weeks what do you say what can i say said miss lelanro arching her eyebrows it is for you to decide in this instance i should prefer your opinion child you cannot be ignorant of edgar's reason for wishing to pay this visit i do not pretend to be ignorant grandpapa but as i have rejected him twice i think he should have more dignity than to persist in paying his addresses yet he is young and handsome celia he is a bore retorted the angry young lady in spite of his good birth and kinship with the lelanros he is a clodhopper who only cares for dogs and horses tony lumpkin and bob acres in one mr warwick is worth a dozen of such as he yet mr warwick is my dependent said her grandfather with faint sarcasm but a gentleman for all that you denied that a few minutes ago celia but let us not talk of my secretary it is your cousin with whom we have to do i shall invite him to the manor he'll persecute me then replied celia crossly surely you do not wish me to marry him i leave that to yourself replied Lelanro delicately but remember that at my death edgar becomes lord lelanro and enters into possession of our estates you cannot but be aware of the advantage of listening to his suit i wouldn't marry him if he were king of england retorted miss lelanro decisively ask him if you will but don't expect me to encourage him heir to our estates indeed oh dear i wish i'd been born a boy it would have been better certainly replied the old lord thinking of his dead son with your poor father died the chance of keeping the title and estates in the direct line now they must go to edgar unworthy though he be unless unless what grandpapa that is the second time you have used the word never mind child leave me for a time and ask mr warwick to come here celia with great disdain was about to refuse this commission when warwick unexpectedly entered the room thereupon she swept out of the apartment and in passing flashed on him so indignant a glance that struck to the heart he turned pale at their last meeting she had been particularly kind and not having offended her in the interval he was greatly perplexed and pained by this sudden change of front Accustomed, however, to bridle his feelings, he merely bowed as she passed through the door, and advanced gravely to where Lelanro was seated at his desk. "'I was just wishing to see you, Mr. Warwick,' said the old gentleman kindly, "'to tell you that my kinsman and heir, Mr. Edgar Winyard, is coming to stay with us next week. I hope you and he will be friends.' warwick bowed without speaking and marvelled again that lelanro should show such consideration for one who was but a dependent on his charity he had little time for reflection however as the next remark made by his patron turned his thoughts in another direction we have often talked of your early life within the last few weeks mr warwick said lord lelanro reflectively and i have several times been on the point of asking you if you know the address of autolycus i can learn easily my lord he makes canterbury his headquarters and a letter addressed there will find him does your lordship wish to see him i do for reasons which i need not communicate to you at present will you therefore be kind enough to ask him to call here and grant me a personal interview certainly my lord replied warwick wondering at the oddity of the request shall i write at once if you please mr warwick and i should take it as a favour if you would post the letter yourself in the dalesford office i have a reason for not wishing it to pass through the hands of the servants "'I will attend to it at once,' answered the secretary, and forthwith left the room with a puzzled look on his face. Lelanro gazed after him in silence, and not until the door was closed did he speak. "'If it be as I think,' said he aloud, "'alas for Edgar Winyard and his hopes!' End of chapter 10